Okay, uh, I'm Joe Walsh, Managing Director of Lapidico Limited. Uh, Lapidico's in the process of transitioning its phase one lithium chemical project, uh, which will be producing chemicals in Abu Dhabi, uh, sourced from its uh, mines in, in Namibia. Uh, we're transitioning the project into development as we speak. Uh, it's an advanced stage and uh, we're aiming to be coming into production in 2024. And we don't just produce lithium, we'll be producing other chemicals, cesium, rubidium, SOP fertilizer. Uh, and it's a, it's a very environmentally friendly and green uh, project. So low carbon intensity, and all of the products are effectively green products. So we're very excited about uh, moving this project into to the next stage over the course of the next couple of quarters. Joe, good to see you again. We uh, caught up with you in October, and I would recommend that people go to the link below to um, try not, well, have a look at uh, a rather fulsome explanation around the business model and strategy for delivering it. Um, today, we're going to just have a little catch up though, because you put out your quarterlies uh, yesterday. Um, Want to see what you've been able to achieve since we spoke, mate? You told me a few things that we're going to do, including raising money. That hasn't happened though. No, so we've, we've Matthew, we've made some great progress with the project. Um, uh, the the major announcement that we made since we last spoke was um, the offtake agreement for lithium with uh, with Traxxas. Uh, Traxxas is, it might not be a household name, but it is a very well established uh, trading company in the lithium chemical space. They've been <laughs> trading lithium chemicals since uh, 2009, uh, so pretty much longer than anyone else. Uh, they've got great depth and breadth of relationships globally within the lithium industry. And uh, I believe that this is going to allow uh, Lapidico to be able to maximize its lithium revenues. So we're not doing a deal with an OEM, uh, an auto manufacturer, a cathode manufacturer, for example, that wants to extract a significant discount uh, on, on our product uh, for allowing them uh, uh, to use their name. We're doing it, we're committing our material through a trading company and they'll be proactively managing that trading book to maximize the lithium revenue. Okay, that's a different question from what I asked. Traxxas, I agree with you, very well known, very well uh, uh, established and very well regarded. Good firm to be doing business with, for sure. That's an offtake agreement. How does that affect the your ability to or the, the, the raising of debt and equity for you? We talked about, I think, 30 million debt, 15 million of equity back in October. So does that Traxxas deal help you to do that? Are they going to get involved with that? I mean... Give me the detail around that. So the short answer is absolutely. They, having binding offtake is essential in this space to be able to secure funding period. Um, so the, the Traxxas, I think, is a, a very credible um, uh, name to be having offtake with. Um, they obviously don't consume themselves. Um, so they will be entering into back-to-back -back arrangements uh, with uh, consumers who will be then taking our product. And we've, uh, we've been having an extremely positive experience with Traxxas. They're incredibly proactive and dynamic. Um, they're in the market right now um, to establish our product with end, end users. Uh, 
And I expect over the course of the next uh, two, three, four months that uh, we will be entering into downstream commitment, or they'll be entering into downstream commitments for our products, and we'll be able to be saying more about that. Okay, so you're off takers speaking to the market, as they should, and people they know, existing customers as, as well. But I want to come back to that. We, we talked about 45 million bucks that you require to build the facility. H- how do you fund the facility? How, where's that money coming from? So the, the uh, as, as I think I mentioned last time, so there's, uh, there's two parts to this project. There's the upstream piece in Namibia where we're redeveloping uh, two uh, small open pit mines and building a small concentrator that uses conventional flotation. So in the DFS, the capex for that piece is around 45 million. We are focused on securing debt for that from development financing institutions. And the, the, um, to that end, we announced in uh, October um, 2020 that we'd entered into a mandate agreement with the US government's International Development Finance Corporation. To be able to get DFC debt, we have to have offtake. We have to have binding offtake for our major revenue source, which is the, the, the lithium. So we've now got that piece in place that then gives them the confidence to be going out and appointing legal counsel to then do legal due diligence and confirmatory due diligence on contracts, et cetera. The key contract there is, is that lithium off-trade contract. The other piece that DFC is very focused on, because it's obviously US government money, is having excellent environmental and social credentials. And I'll get to that in a little bit, uh, because we absolutely do have those. Um, so then downstream uh, to fund the chemical plant in Abu Dhabi, which is around $95 million of CapEx as per the DFS, uh, we're looking at the debt piece for that being uh, converse, commercial lenders and also um, export credit agencies um, like a podium who's doing the EPCM contract um, uh, is reasonably well advanced now on, and on identifying the equipment providers. And what, depending on where the major capital equipment comes from de- determines which export credit agencies we should be talking with. Okay, so that piece of all of this puzzle is also starting to come together now. And I expect over the course of the next couple of months, we will get a line of sight on that major capital equipment, where it's coming from, and therefore which ECAs we should be going to. We're already in good discussions with commercial lenders and again, getting that offtake agreement for the lithium is key for those commercial lenders to be to being able to uh, take lending for this project to the next level. Right. Okay. So 45 in Namibia, 95 Abu Dhabi. Got it. Um, debt equity. It sounds like you're piecing things together and trying to get things in the right order with regards to Namibia. With, uh, with 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 DFC, so any sense of timing on that? Yeah, so uh, literally, I've just come off a call with them just now. Okay, um, hot off the press. I'm leaning in. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. But I can't add anything to what we already put out in the quarterly. Um, so we've been talking with DFC now for for nearly two years. Now this is some of the most affordable debt available in the world, but it you have to jump through a few hoops to be able to get it. Um, so they appointed Bear Del Bear Australia, BDA, as their independent technical expert. BDA has now completed 
its uh, technical review. And so that report uh, is now uh, back with uh, uh, with DFC. It's a critical body of work uh, for them as a lender. Um, they've also uh, undertaken an environmental and social due diligence report for DFC. And that is now in advanced draft. So critical path for, for funding right now is finalizing the environmental and social um, report from the uh, due diligence report from BDA. And then there's going to be a 60 day review process uh, for the two ESIAs. So the uh, Abu Dhabi Environmental Social Impacts Assessment and the one for Namibia. And so part of the DFC's process here is to have those uh, publicly reviewed. They are extensive bodies of work that meet the equator principles and IFC standards. And so again, from a due diligence perspective, they're essential for really being able to secure DFC funding. But getting DFC funding in place then obviously provides an enormous amount of confidence to more conventional commercial lenders and also uh, equity investors. Right. So, so, so long story short, what's ex expected timing on being able to get money out of the DFC? So um, we expect that they will be in a position to be able to go to their uh, credit committee probably early next quarter. And we're targeting a full funding solution, um, ideally by the end of the June quarter, mid-year. Okay. Okay. And and committees, if it's anything like 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 um, funds uh, and fund managers, that that can take. Well, how long is a piece of string, right? So, is are you in any dire uh, need for this capital to happen by a certain date? I mean, what 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 are the big red flags that you know shareholders need to be aware of in terms of timing and, and capital? Can you can you keep yourself going? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think this is something that's obviously uh, it does become a concern for shareholders, and it's a it's a very important point. Um, so, we're have a look at the quarterly, have a look at our cash flow statement. We've got over ten million in the bank at the um, at the end of December. Our spend rate actually isn't that high uh, right now. Uh, like the main body of work that being undertaken is uh, Lycopodium's front-end engineering and design. We actually just had a rig turn up on site um, uh, just in the, the last week or so. We're drilling again. Um, so there are going to be elevated exploration expenditures versus last year. Um, but uh, we also, from the capital raisings that we've done over the last few years, we've got a reasonable number of options, listed options out there, which are in the money. So uh, in May, there's a tranche of listed options, uh, which are well in the money, that should see more than 5 million Aussie coming into Treasury. Uh, there's further options uh, in the money at the end of this year and then um, also middle of next year. So, Matthew, from a working capital perspective, I think we're extremely well funded. Um, so shareholders and investors shouldn't be concerned about some kind of unexpected emergency capital raise coming down uh, the pipe. Uh, the, 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 the next liquidity event really that we're looking at here is obviously the one that everyone's focused on, which is to fund this project and get it into full construction. Right. Okay. And, and just sticking with the money side of things, because I, I do want to move on to other topics in a second, which is with the, 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 the Traxxas deal, an offtake deal. Okay. 
it, it kind of came and went. People didn't really react to it. So yours making it sound really, really important for the company. The market goes, meh, not so much. Do you think that's a fair reaction? I mean, it is the reaction, so I guess you know the, 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 the market is the market, but what's so special about your tracks of steel that people need to understand? So I think it's very much as I, I said earlier, um, I think they're a very, very credible party that can be maximizing our lithium revenues. And they've arguably got more experience than any other trading company in the world in, in the lithium chemical markets. But your point's extremely well made. Timing is everything. And, um, you know, I think Lapidico had telegraphed the fact that we were looking at entering into this uh, offtake arrangement. Um, and so I think that they're looking at the share trading after we announced it, um, it is reasonably, it's pretty evident that there are a good number of investors who bought the rumor and sold the news. And um, while I think it was a, a great Christmas present for our long-term shareholders announcing it just before Christmas, um, it's never the best time to be making an announcement like that. But we had, you know, it's, uh, we didn't have any choice in that regard. So I think the important thing here are the fundamentals. And fundamentally, I think that we've got uh, a great offtake arrangement uh, uh, with uh, an excellent uh, stakeholder. But I, they are, and I'll, I'll back you up again and say that I, I've done business with them in the past, right? And they, they are good people who do things the right way. But if you'd done a deal with an OEM or even one of the big battery, well-known battery manufacturers, you would have got a much stronger reaction, I, I feel. Why, why didn't you go down that track? So we've, we've been in discussions now with regard to lithium offtake since we've been doing the since we did the pre-feasibility study back in 2016-17 um, and one of the things that we have found in uh, in discussions with downstream groups um, particularly OEMs um, is that they really want to extract a significant discount to an index price and we've had these conversations before that if, as a lithium developer, we are to be making it public that we are doing a, a deal with ABC um, auto manufacturer, they want a discount for leveraging their name. So I just don't see that delivering long-term value for shareholders. It might de deliver a sugar hit in the market, um, but, you know, we're trying to build a sustainable um, uh, quality business here and to be able to maximise revenue when that material is produced, I think, is a much better outcome for our shareholders in the longer term. Do we expect to see any more offtake agreements with other parties I'm, I'm talking about or it, it just tracks us meet your needs for now? So it's a mixture of both, actually. Uh, so Traxxas is in the market right now. I expect that um, over the course of the next few months, uh, there's a very good chance that we'll be able to announce that they have committed uh, volume to consumers. Um, whether the consumer is identified or not is another matter. Um, they what, what, are so what, also, what, what, what's that mean? 
So whether we'll actually disclose or be able to disclose the name of the organization that will be taking the material. Okay. If okay. you could, you would, but if you can't, because they don't want you to, then you won't. Yes, correct. And you know, a good example of this is actually in the cesium uh, industry, because the, the dynamics in cesium uh, have changed dramatically or are in the process of changing dramatically right now with one of the world's largest uh, manufacturers winding production down, um, which, based on our understanding, is probably going to lead, uh, leave about a, a 40% hole um, in the market. We're the only new project that's uh, slated to be coming on stream. We've got the world's only undeveloped ore reserve of both cesium and, uh, and rubidium. Um, but, you know, these are small, opaque markets and um, the consumers absolutely want confidentiality and anonymity when it comes down to their involvement. Uh, so Traxxas is going to be is uh, acting as our agent there. They'll be handling all of the logistics, shipping, insurance, um, uh, but we're leading uh, leading on the negotiations with regard to those those offtakes. So I expect that over the course of the next few months, uh, we should be establishing our first uh, binding cesium offtakes. Uh, that is really important again for the U.S. government's Inter International Development Finance Corporation because it's it's on the it's a critical mineral and uh, the cesium and rubidium are subsets of those 35 critical minerals where the US is 100% reliant on imports. So they're not just critical, they are of strategic importance as well. And the phase one project, that chemical plant in Abu Dhabi is a unique chemical plant. It's the only new facility coming into production that can produce these metal compounds. Yeah, and, and, and again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about the zero, zero waste, etc., and you know, SAP and gypsum and, and all the, all the rest of the things that you, you the potential to produce. Um, can I can I just slight segue here? And it goes back to the Namib the the mine and the asset in Namibia. Have you worked in Namibia? Have you seen? You know, have you done time? Have you seen time in in, in Namibia? Um, and and the, I tell you what, the question I'm trying to answer is a fairly low rent newsletter writer in uh, out of Vancouver has put something out there going, Namibia is not a good place to work. No one should invest in a company with assets in Namibia, right? And I'm going to give several companies the chance to respond to to this because it has caused some conversation in the markets, right? And I want to I want to address that. So, what's what's your thoughts on that statement? I think it's totally incorrect. Um, so, I, my view is Namibia is probably one of the top two or three countries in sub-Saharan Africa to be doing business in. Um, they've got a well-established mining industry. Like Rio Tinto started operations at the Rossing Uranium Mine back in, well, I think it was the early to mid-70s. Our chairman, Gary Johnson, that was his first job out of university, was working at Rossing Uranium. Um, uh, I worked in South Africa back in uh, the late 80s and um, spent some time in Namibia. Um, it's a fabulous place to be to be doing business. Um, uh, they got independence, um, and they've had one of the most stable governments in sub-Saharan Africa in the last thirty years. Um, one of the things, uh, observations that I would make here, that's a huge advantage, and 
I experienced something similar when I worked at Pan Ost and we were working in Laos. The country has got a very small population. And so the population is less than 3 million people. And what that means is there is no capacity for having a burgeoning bureaucracy. The government structure is extremely flat. We get have extremely good um, access into government. Um, I'm heading off to Namibia um, at the end of next week and have meetings there the following week. And within the space of a few days, I've been able to set up great meetings with key people within government. Um, so, yeah, there's, there is an, an established mining industry in Namibia. We have four um, debt investors or debt providers to the project. Um, they, we have had a very good experience um, with them, and uh, Namibia is, is seen as highly lendable. Uh, part of the problem that a lot of lenders have is there aren't a lot of new projects to be able to get lending capacity into Namibia. Again, it's another reason why I think that we've got a lot of good interest in our project. So I would be backing um, uh, very well-recognized commercial lenders and their desire to be having lending capacity in uh, Namibia and getting exposure to, to projects in Namibia versus someone who's in an office in Vancouver. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Um, I, I just think it's, I'm going to let as many people who've got the relevant experience say that as many times as they want because I'm, I'm you know, the, the low rent newsletter writer, headline grabbing based on no experience, knowledge, or having been in the country um, does turn heads. Uh, for the short term, it allows them to push their own product for their own gain, and, and I think you know we need to stop all of that. So I appreciate your feedback on that one, okay? And sorry for the segue. Back to back to you. Um, just just want to uh, just close down a couple of things, which I, I perhaps should have been a little bit a little bit um, firmer on with with regards to the money. Which is you talked about you kind of got a low uh, GNA, um, which which is straight people can go to the quarterly uh, quarterly and your MDNA and uh, check that out themselves. But just want to be clear, you you've got ten million bucks. You've got some options coming up in May and at the end of the year. You do not need to raise money this year. Is that was that what I'm hearing in 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 connection with um, just the operational side of things? But you you will be looking to raise money for the uh, for Namibia and obviously Abu Dhabi. But that's project based, right? Absolutely. So I think from a working capital perspective, we're in extremely good shape. And um, uh, as mentioned, from a project perspective. That's where we've all got our shoulder behind the wheel. So we are driving this project forward to be able to make a final investment decision in the middle of the year. That will be centered on getting um, development financing institution debt plus debt from commercial lenders and ECAs, which should then provide, having, having commitments there, should then provide confidence to be able to uh, raise uh, the equity component for the project. Right. And um, so let's just, in terms, it was a question sent in with regards, I don't think we quite understand how the reason works, but it, it, the, the point is, will any of the funding come locally? So it's in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi has great relationships with everyone in, in the region. Um, is that going to be part of or significant part of or all of the funding for what would be a fairly prestigious uh, project 
um, like yours. So we've got um, engagement from a, both from a debt and an equity funding perspective uh, in that region, uh, in the from the UAE. Um, We've also found good interest uh, in the project from other commercial banks that are usual names for, for debt funding to quality mining projects. Um, so uh, I think that there will be a regional component uh, to the funding for this project, absolutely. Right, okay. Okay, yeah, like Abu Dhabi Investment Fund or Abu Dhabi Fund for Development, they, they, those sorts of guys. Okay, um, but nothing from the Al Nayan family. I can't stop specifics like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking for a friend. Uh, okay, um, fine. Okay, so I've, I've feel a little bit more comfortable around the the money side of things, and the, and more importantly, the timing and the explanation of why. Um, it's kind of moved somewhat, but the, but the, the process is, is is clear, and you're good for capital this year. Okay, so that that's fine, and the and the Traxxas thing, I think, um, I think people need to take note of that, and, and the reasons why Traxxas versus um, headline grabbing uh, potential partner. Um, can we get onto the kind of green component because that's obviously you know all anyone wants to talk about last year. Um, we had a good conversation about it. Um, You've you've got you've got to deliver it now, right? Because it's it's a big part of what you're doing. You've gone from lithium miner to lithium chemical company, but more than that, a, a even greener lithium chemical company. Because we're we're talking about zero waste in here, and that might be worth just explaining to me what what you mean by that. It's a phrase you used with us in our conversation last time. Sure. So one of the points of difference here with Lapidico is our proprietary process technologies. They allow us to hydrometallurgically process lithium mica and phosphate minerals. And what we're effectively doing here is deconstituting those minerals along with reagents that we put in into a range of valuable products. And at the end of the day, there are, there are six different product streams. And where we're aiming to get to is having a chemical plant with no solid process waste. Now, that's a fabulous outcome. Like There's invariably waste or tailings coming out of, uh, of uh, these kind of plants. Um, but we have a great opportunity for having this plant being zero waste. So the, the, when we, the, with the, the first step in the process, the, the first residue is a, a silica and it's highly reactive. It's an amorphous silica that can be used in construction and go into concrete to displace some of the cement that goes into concrete. Cement has one of the highest carbon footprints of any material known to man. And so it is, we're helping from a decarbonization perspective right there with that product. The other residue streams that come out are largely gypsum. And so what we're aiming to do is place that gypsum either in the construction industry or um, as a soil ameliorant. And we actually had some work done by the University of Waterloo here in uh, Ontario a couple of years ago, evaluating the material for use for rehabilitating city landfill sites or tailing storage facilities. And that gypsum material holds a lot of moisture. If you add some nutrient to it, like soil or peat or biomass, things grow in it. So it is an ideal environmental remediation material, soil conditioning type material. And so 
that's our preferred uh, use for that. And as I say, it'll make that uh, um, that chemical plant a zero process waste facility. The other key part here is then obviously the carbon piece. Now, vis-a-vis a typical vertically integrated spodumene project, um, we had a body of work done by leading environmental consultant GHD evaluating our carbon, carbon emissions, our greenhouse gas emissions. They're about 25% lower than a typical spodumene uh, project. And it makes sense. Like We do not have that energy intensive, high um, uh, temperature roasting front end. Right. The typical spodumene converter is operating at 1150, 1200 degrees Celsius in the roaster. Our maximum temperature is about 120 degrees Celsius in an exothermic reaction in that initial leach circuit. So we're much less energy intensive than other conventional forms of hard rock lithium. The main process heat we use is in a boiler. And that's our largest single source of CO2 emissions for the project. About 60% of our CO2 emissions is the natural gas that we plan to consume to produce heat to make steam. The Abu Dhabi, and in particular, the Kizad Industrial Park is looking to be one of the world's leaders in adopting green hydrogen. And there are a number of green hydrogen projects. We're in discussions now with being one of the first users and first adopters of green hydrogen. And if the, the boiler that we're looking at putting into this plant will be green hydrogen enabled or hydrogen enabled. So if we can then get a source of green hydrogen, we will be able to drop our greenhouse gas emissions from around seven and a half, eight tons of CO2 per ton of lithium hydroxide down to three tons per ton for the whole project. That's an industry leading position. And again, it's, it's another position here that resonates with quality debt providers, like for the, for example, DFC. And being able to demonstrate that we've got um, opportunities to be able to further reduce our emissions it is is very attractive. Yeah, it's it, yeah. I, like, and, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to people listening to this. Maybe um, who didn't catch the first one. So, I'll say again. Go, click the link below. What's the previous conversation where we do talk about LMAX and LOMAX and the cesium component and 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 all sorts of wonderful things. But um, he, here, I'm, just, I'm there's a few few talk point, touch points that I I, I want to kind of focus on and. Um, one of those, and I think we've missed it so far today, which is around the pilot plant. Because again, we talked about that a little bit last time out. Um, how's how's that advancing? I mean, just because th- that is an important part of this, and it, you're almost going to have to play catch up in a way, given the delays to the the to the financing. So, wh- where where are you with that? Again, it's a very important point here, uh, Matthew. So, the uh, we've successfully piloted. Um, back in 2020. What we've done is we've upgraded that pilot facility to a demonstration facility. So it's gone from 15 kilos an hour of throughput, of concentrate throughput into the leach circuit to uh, 32 kilos an hour. So it's more than double the capacity. We put some photographs on our LinkedIn page. Go and have a look at them. Uh, those leach tanks are significantly larger than the previous pilot facility. And we'll be putting some more photographs on our website probably next week. Um, 
So the other important point here is we changed the design um, for the chemical plant, uh, and we're now using um, plate and frame filters, which are identical uh, units, albeit obviously smaller in the demonstration plant, to what we're going to have in the commercial plant. Okay. And the we ran that leach circuit, that demonstration plant leach circuit back in November and December. Um, it was an extremely successful campaign that we put through that. Um, so we processed about uh, just over eight tons of concentrate. Um, and we're reconfiguring the lithium hydroxide circuit right now. And in February, we will be... Um, running a, a demonstration uh, campaign for our Lomax process, which is that process that takes the lithium sulfate intermediate through directly to um, lithium hydroxide. So we're de-risking the project with this. Yeah, okay. and, and you so needed to. It, it was a, a, was that always in the offing, or obviously, or did the results say, oh, perhaps we could do this, or was it the case you were conscious that because of delays that you needed to, to do this? In which case, it kind of veers into perhaps people perceiving it as a shortcut, which is never uh, usually a good thing. So, how did the decision get made to go from pilot to demonstration? So, we we were always planning on running a, a second campaign. Um, so if you have back, look back for our announcements, we were always looking at doing that second campaign. We had a sample of um, uh, lipidolite material from Carabib in Namibia. We've had that in Perth for close to two years. It all came down to timing. And so what's been driving this has been progressing our negotiations and discussions with regard to debt, debt funding. And so when it came to running this, this next campaign, BDA, Bear Del Bear Australia, um, the independent engineer doing due diligence for lenders, was involved with the demonstration plant um, campaign. And so how we go about doing it, um, how we conf configure the plant, they had a say in all of that. So it's, I think it's a, a really important point that they've now got ownership in how this campaign is being being run, so they will be then due due diligencing the results of the campaign when they're all available. So the campaign should wrap up at the end of March, be reported on mid April. By the end of April, Bear Bear Australia should be able to then be reporting back from a, a, a lending due diligence perspective. This campaign significantly de-risks the scale up for the project. So previous scale up was about 460 to one from pilot to our phase one commercial scale. We're now just over 200 to one. That is typical demonstration plant scale up territory. Okay, so big difference I think in scale up risk and project risk. We're learning, we'll be learning, having all sorts of learnings with regard to plant operability coming out of the, the demo plant uh, campaign. Um, and remember this project, the phase one project is 5,000 tonnes a year of lithium hydroxide output. So it's a modest sized project. 
again, we are managing risk proactively. We don't need to have a big 20, 30,000 ton a year project because we can get a good economy of scale and great economics at 5,000. So we will then be looking to deliver a phase two project, which may be a bigger project at closer to 20,000 tons, which is just a four times scale up from phase one. Very different risk profile again. So it's another reason why we're starting drilling now again in Namibia is to be starting to build the resource base to support the, this next growth element for the business, which is going to be phase two. Right. And the other thing, and I'll finish off because I'm just conscious of your, of your time here, um, is the, I think the, the recognition by me that the, the, the asset in Namibia is not a big one. You do need to do some drilling. You do need to expand that resource and reserve uh, on that one. But you also talked to me about um, potentially revenue stream of you know selling your product into other uh, you know li- li- lithium producers. Um, is that is that off the table now? Are you start, do you think you want to retain control of that, or is that a is that worth spending time time and effort on now in terms of securing sort of a nearer revenue stream for you? So uh, I, th- I think that uh, the priority here is definitely phase one. Um, so we, we're, we're very focused on delivering this this first project. We are, however, mindful of, uh, of how we do grow the business. Um, back in late 2020, we entered into our first license arrangement to sell our technologies to Cornish Lithium. Um, in certain select instances like that, then we will be prepared to uh, consider licensing. It can give us a, a great royalty business longer term. Um, for probably for phase two, we could potentially consider buying in um, or treating third-party concentrates. No different to what we're seeing in Western Australia at the moment with converters being built largely offshore and buying spodumene concentrate or uh, buying uh, spodumene concentrate for then processing through those converters. If there are lithium mica deposits out there, then uh, they would would be happy in time for the right project to consider then downstream uh, processing. Okay. And uh, Cornish Lithium continue to Work with you, no issues there. And if so, what, so what's the, what's that worth to you in terms of revenue contribution? I it, it's a longer term opportunity that one, uh, Matthew. So um, yeah, they're they're just at the point now where they're working up their resource. They're looking at um, designing their pilot uh, plant. So um, phase one is is the world's leading lithium mica development project right now. Okay, that's the focus. Okay, and that will be our that will be our first revenue. Here, yeah. Okay, Joe, um, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming back on. Stay in touch as you start to deliver some of these things, and certainly when you get the financing um, in in place. Appreciate your time. Okay, thank you very much for your time as well, Matthew. Take care.